Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Lori Bainham, who is a marathon runner, founder of an advertising agency, and the co-author of Coffee's Better When You Slurp It. Lori, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Yeah, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Uh, well, for fun... I run marathons. I mean, can you really say that's for fun? But it is. I mean, that's my community. And, you know, that's um, that's where we find God the most is in our community. So um, I run at five in the morning with a group of girls that uh, we call ourselves the fast girls. And there's nothing about us that's fast. We just like that name. (laughs) And we have guys too. We have girls and guys. So we meet at five in the morning and we run for about an hour. And, and then on Saturdays we run long, you know, three or four hours sometimes depending on what we're training for. But that is our kind of like our therapy session. And it's really how the start of this, the Genesis of my book, because a couple of the guys, three guys that I ran with, they're uh, drunks alcoholics in recovery and they're fabulous guys and I would never have guessed in a million years that they would be my motivation and inspiration but I just learned so much about uh, good happy peaceful living uh, with a, a stronger I mean I've always been a church girl but a stronger spiritual connection than I've ever had in my life came through what they had spilled out on me. So, so that's how this came to be. I gave you too much information there, but there I am. (laughs) No, you're good. I love it. I love it. And so your day-to-day is in the advertising agency, but you wrote this book, Coffee's Better When You Slurp It. So tell us a little bit about the agency and then jump into kind of the book. Okay, sure. I would love to. So I've been, um, I have a small agency and I advertise only for furniture stores, 100%. And, um, and it's not just advertising. I, I buy their merchandise, help them set it on the floor. It's anything to do with marketing and consulting. So um, I've just always had my hands on a lot of levels when it comes to uh, adver- like negotiating leases, even it's so it's consulting also. And I've done that for about 30 years. So I've been doing it for a day or two. And that's, that's what pays the bills so that I can have money to, uh, write this book, co-author this book. And I'm doing that with another lady. Her name is Nia Carmody, who happens to be one of my running buddies. And she knows the the three drunks that help us help us get into this. And um, we're, we're just having the time of our lives doing this. And she's an English teacher. So she was a great co-author because, you know, she knows about grammar and she can write so well. So it is it's just the most fun thing I've ever done and with the greatest potential to make an impact on the world. So it's really fun to be part of your podcast because that's what you're doing, helping people live the dream. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. So coffee's better when you slurp it. Tell us about kind of the foundational message. How that came about. Okay, so um, I discovered through the miles running with these guys who are my now, you know, three of my closest friends, that I'm an emotional drunk, <laughs> literally. And, and what that is, let me tell you what that is. Um, if you're walking around with bitterness and resentful, resentments and anger, and uh, it's getting in your space. And what it really boils down to, Tim, is that um, what we need to be doing is keeping our side of the street clean and not worrying about someone else's. And what I mean by that is um, I discovered, like, I'll just tell you some of, some of my resentments. Well, I don't want to get into telling you what the resentments were. But, I, you know, I was just thinking somebody else was doing it wrong. And I was holding them responsible. I mean, here I was bitter and resentful and didn't even realize it. Serial people pleaser. I mean, I, I needed, uh, my father was an alcoholic. I hate to throw shade on my dad because, I loved him and he was a great dad in many ways, but he was an alcoholic. And um, it turned me into a people pleaser because as his disease progressed, uh, I didn't get the affirmations that I wanted. You know, he was busy being an alcoholic and and I, I didn't get the affirmations. So I started people pleasing. And what you're doing when you do that is you're searching for compliments and affirmations and kudos. You want to hear that you're great because maybe you didn't feel that way when you were a kid. And that's an emotional drunk because what you're doing is you're looking for your source of happiness out there. And you know this, I know this from following you, you know, your podcast and the source of happiness it's right here. I mean, it's, it's God in us and the God we experience in our friends and what I experience on those runs. Well, I, I didn't know I was an emotional drunk. In fact, when, when the main guy who is, is one of my best friends now suggested it to me, I was furious and very offended. Um, but then, uh, you know, the more I thought about it, the more it rang true. Yeah. You're, you're holding other people responsible for your happiness because they weren't acting the way I thought they should act. You know, I, I would do something grandiose and think I deserved a lot of appreciation and they wouldn't give me the appreciation that I wanted, which is ridiculous. I can't control how much somebody else appreciates. I can't control anyone else but myself. And that's only on my good days, you know, yep. but God can, God can do it. I, and in AA, this, I'm not an AA. I'm not, I did quit drinking just because I wanted what they had and I wanted to see what it was like. Um, but I'm not an alcoholic, but um, the program of AA is what inspired me because they started sharing with me their 12 steps to recovery and what they had, they would share their, their principles, what they learned in their meetings when we were out there running the many miles and what they had just spilled out on me. You know, when someone else is happy or joyful, I mean, it can get on you good and bad. Absolutely. And if it's, bad you know you want to get it off of you but if it's good you know bring it baby I want I want what you got yeah so um they I just became so enthusiastic and and I wanted this peace and serenity and spiritual connection that they had 
and and I did have a good relationship with God, but nothing like what I have now. I mean, it it has taken it up such a notch. But you will hear me call God a higher power, which is the same as God or love, because God is love. Um, some people say the universe because God is all of creation. We believe those are one and the same. And the reason I like to say that is in recovery. I mean, most people probably need recovery, if we're honest, of some sort, emotional, you know, if not something else. And um, we don't want to keep anyone from having having access to this recovery. And so AA found that if you identify God as a higher power, you include everyone. You know, if you call it God, there are some people who can't buy into that. You know, it's this old metric that failed them. And we don't want that. So so I'm just explaining why I often say higher power instead of, I mean, I personally say God, but when I'm speaking to an audience, I, I say higher power or love or universe. So I got you. Okay. There's way too much information there too. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. I love it. I love the explanation. And you know, there are going to be people listening like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I say God on the podcast. I'll talk about scripture on my podcast, but there are people who genuinely don't resonate with that. And some don't listen to my more Christian episodes because of that. And so it's very important that you say higher power to include people. and let Exactly. Know. It's inclusive and it doesn't exclude us as Christians. It no. just includes other people who might not be able to listen otherwise. And we just want this message available for everyone. So 100%. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And so coffee's better when you slurp it. Is that more, is it like story format documenting your journey kind of going through those okay stories. let me tell you what it is and i've only recently even realized what category is it is a teaching memoir mm -hmm. so part of it is my story uh, about being an emotional drunk and and my childhood and good and bad i mean it's not all i'm not just throwing shade on my family um it's same for nia you know, she's got, some, well, actually, we all have some good and bad, you know, where there yeah, just do. isn't perfect here. So it's it's our memoir, but what we've learned from our three drunks, and I say that with so much love, they laugh at them. That's one of the gifts of this program. You learn to laugh at your own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, we all have them. And yeah. if you can laugh at it instead of getting um, offended or feeling embarrassed by it. I mean, sometimes it, that we call that making the beast inside of you. It's less threatening. If you just confront it and say, yeah, I've got some hairy warts, man, they kind of suck, but here's what I'm going to do about those suckers. And so, so there you go. And, and I'll tell you another story, the way coffee's better when you say the shower is a great place for me to talk to God. It's just amazing what happens there. I guess because noise is drowned out. Mm -hmm. You know, you get in there, all you hear is the, the falling water from the shower head, and it's just the shower walls. So there's no distractions. And um, God really talks to me there. And so one morning, I was taking a shower. I'd already begun writing the book, but I didn't know what the name was going to be. And 
I mean, it just popped into my head, you know, the clouds from the shower, the what the vapors are there. And so I'm thinking about my first cup of coffee. And my husband's always given me a hard time because I always slurp that first cup. I mean, the first sip, you know, you can't just take a big gulp. It's hot. So I and he don't slurp. And I used to say coffee is better when you slurp it just to get him off my back. And, And I was in the shower and I'm like, that's the name of the book. Little did I know what um, connection coffee has with AA, you know, people who go into recovery, their hands sometimes are shaking because they've got withdrawals going on and they'll get a cup of coffee. And so at AA in recovery meetings, and I don't want to just say AA because there's lots of recovery. I mean, emotional recovery, alcoholic, drugs, sex, Mm -hmm. overspending, you know, all sorts of addictions but at recovery meetings coffee is available and so it really is a part of recovery but but I didn't know that I mean it just came to me this morning and I'm like that's the name of this book there we go I love it I love it (laughs) does um can you remind me of your co-author's name Nia Carmody Nia does she have a similar experience being an emotional drunk or was it something else for her? She's an emotional drunk. Yeah. Neither of us are alcoholics um, or drug addicts, but you know, she has some, uh, we just call it emotional baggage. And that's what we're trying to do is, is help our target right now is probably women our age, because you know, when you're grow when your kids are growing up, you're so busy getting your kids raised, going to being soccer moms and all that good stuff. Um, but about some, somewhere about midlife, I think you start, uh, and I don't, it's not just women. I've actually talked to my preacher who's like, I'm going to need that book. Um, you know, you just start realizing you've got a lot of this behind you and you want the second part of your life. You want to be more self-actualized, have more serenity. You want it to count because you're seeing you know, I'm, I'm not on the countdown yet. Well, we're all on the countdown. Yeah. You're more intentional. I think you have more time to be intentional about your life. And so our initial target is probably middle-aged women and men. I mean, as I said, as I start, as I started talking to men about it, they seem equally enthusiastic about it. Um, but ultimately, this is my bucket list. And that is, we have to get the book written first. We're about halfway through. We've got a great um, outline. We know where we're going. But ultimately, we want to take this to schools. Hmm. I think it could change the world, Tim. I mean, I think, you. Th- I mean, I was not equipped to deal with my emotions as, as a kid. And if we, I recently, the person you ask on, on that list, who would you want to meet the most? Magic Johnson. I mean, I love that man. Actually, really? I did meet him. I have a video of me interviewing him, asking him a question. Um, but he's got such a heart for inner city kids. And I do too. And Nia does too. She teaches um, high school students, but it's not just inner city kids. I mean, it's, it's all kids because imagine if we could get this message to kids 
that you are responsible for your happiness, for your spiritual connection. If you could really get that to kids, how to deal with emotions, it, it has the potential to domino effect in a way really that could change the world. And so ultimately, once we get our book done, we want to get a curriculum written and I'm going after magic because he has this uh, love, uh, an affinity for inner city kids. But I know it's all, for all kids. I mean, I've, I'm following him now on social media. So if we could get him and his name and, and him talking to kids, they're not going to trust. You know, I'm I'm just an old lady that's out of style, but Magic Johnson, now he's cool. And what I would like to do is find celebrities. You know, there are a lot of celebrities in recovery. And if we could get them and their voice to go to schools, and, and I think we could do it through like PE classes because those are already dead. And everyone has Zoom now. You know, since the pandemic, I think all the schools probably have access to Zoom. Just think if we could get these kids, you know, for 30 minutes a week, starting in pre-K, kindergarten, all the way through high school. And they're going to believe people like Magic Johnson and Oprah and Brad Pitt and maybe Taylor Swift, you know, Russell Brand. Um, if we can keep him to behave himself with his mouth. <laughs> he's a great person for recovery, though. He's He has done some fabulous um, programs on recovery. So anyway, ultimately, that's what we'd like to do is get this to school so that we can teach kids about emotional sobriety and equip them to go out in the world and be responsible for their own mental health and happiness and and understand that a connection with a higher power you know i don't know if we can say higher power in schools because schools are public schools you can't you know you can't say god we know but if we can't say higher power surely we can say love yes you can definitely say love that would be love and then you know to me the devil is fear i mean the opposite the absence of god is the devil and that is fear so there's fear and love and so we've already figured out a way that we could present this material so that maybe schools would allow it so that's our bucket list absolutely i love it well it takes us right into the dreams and goals section so you got to take the book to schools <laughs> to teach kids about emotional sobriety primarily through pe classes with magic johnson and other celebrities <laughs> right. um what are some, do you have any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Or is that like the main one that you're kind of sticking? Well, with? it's so big. Um, you know, I'm trying to stay with that. I'm kind of a, a serial idea person and I have to keep myself in check because, you know, so I'll be writing and I'm like, oh, but what, I mean, you should see the list of the people that I want to include in this project. <laughs> and the last one on my list, but, you know, if you don't ask, the answers always no. But the last one is the Pope. <laughs> there we go. Because I want to get it in Catholic schools, too. We can't exclude the Catholic kids. Nope. Don't want to do that. They got their yeah. own emotional drunkenness that they're dealing that, with. Exactly. Exactly. And you see, if we say it like that, 
it's kind of funny, kind of funny, but it's kind of like, okay, I am. I, I'm emotional. You know, in AA meetings, you stand up and you say, hi, my name's Lori and I'm an alcoholic. And everyone says, hi, Lori. They remove the beast. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And I'm here because I want to stay better. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, with such a big dream or goal, let's talk about how you're going to get there. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? Well, I just have to keep my head down and write. Um, and, you know, some days that's a challenge because I have this pay job that I've got to keep going because that's what pays the bills so I can look for my goals. Um, I will tell you something exciting that I've done, and this starts this month. Um, I don't know if you've read the books Love Does and Everybody Always by Bob Goff. Okay, he's coming on my team. Yes, can you believe that? Uh, And by that, I mean he does coaching. Uh, And this was, so I ran the London Marathon in October. That was the last one I ran. And I picked up a copy of his book for the um, plane ride over there. It's called Undistracted. That's the most recent book. And for some odd reason, well, we know why, but I flipped to the back of the book first and it said, and Bob Goff is um, coaching now, book, doing book coaching. And I'm like, oh my goodness, really? So when I got back from London, I, I called and and he's he and his team are going to be coaching me. So there's a New York Times bestseller. And, you know, Bob's whole theme is love. And loving everybody, loving everybody always. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is, is you don't. So what emotional drunkenness boils down to? I mean, there's a hundred thousand ways to be an emotional drunk. But what it boils down to is we decide that someone out there is doing it wrong. You know, if I've got a resentment or I'm bitter, Well, why am I resentful or bitter? Because I think they haven't responded to me in the way that I think they should have responded. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I'm like, well, they're doing it wrong. You know, they should be doing it the way I'm doing. And that's what it boils down to. We think they're doing it wrong. And then we let our, we're convinced they're doing it wrong and we let that become the source of our unhappiness. Well, they're not responsible for our unhappiness or our happiness. We are responsible for our happiness with the help of our higher power. That's what it boils. I mean, it it is really that simple. And so we've come up with nine building blocks and it's really based on the 12 steps of AA. We just, conformed it to emotional sobriety or emotional drunkenness, um, a way to get to a place where you can maintain motion, emotional sobriety. There we go. There we go. And that's what you're going to be taking to schools. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take it to middle-aged women first or to to women um, because, you know, there's a lot of power in soccer moms. And, and most of those women, probably the best way to get into the schools, honestly, <laughs> they're former soccer moms. Yeah. So they're on a mission. And um, 
it, that's what I was. I was just a serial people pleaser, but also I participate. I mean, I joined every club. I was president of every club. That's how I would try to get my affirmations, feel like I belonged, you know, be a part. But but I was actually neglecting the, some things, you know, while I did that. You get so busy out there, you can neglect the condition of your soul, your family relationships that you shouldn't. So anyway, but we're going to enlist them to show them what this is, you know, hopefully get them on board, build, build a, a village so that we can go out there and, you know, try to take our message to kids and start young so that, you know, maybe, maybe in 30 years, man, wouldn't it be so cool if people understood what this was and how to be accountable for their own happiness and, you know, not just think if you're not worried about somebody else's side of the street, that's what we call it. We're responsible for our boundaries and our side of the street. If you're not worried about somebody else's, you're not going to be over there trying to get up in their business. You're trying to maintain your own. Yeah. And if we can really get this out there, it could be a game changer. Mm. Yeah. I love it. So right now it's keep writing, get that book finished. Then it's get it out there to soccer moms. Then it's take it to schools. Yeah. Well, I got to get magic Johnson in May. I'm going to get magic Johnson. That's, that's where oh, I'm going yeah. next. That's my big goal. There we go. There we go. Awesome. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that you can do right now? I guess it would be keep writing. Is that right? I, it's right. It is get my, I have to find the time, set the time so that I can be here with my keyboard and making the magic happen. What character trait do you need to develop to be able to sit down and write every day so that you're on pace? dedication, you know, tenacity and dedication. I can't, um, you know, what can get in my way, it, not in my way right now, because you've got me all energized. You're excited about it too. And it's <laughs> contagious, you know, when somebody else is excited, you get excited. But um, just to keep the excitement, I mean, I hear myself say to you, well, I'm going to call Magic Johnson. Well, it's a little intimidating. Like what if he doesn't take my call, but I can't think about that because, you know, I really believe we manifest what we think on. And I think we can bring that to ourselves. So I, I have to have be tenacious and that, but, but first I have to get this book written because I can't go in out there and try to sell anyone on just an idea. I need to have something tangible to say, look, read, what do you think? And so far, the people I've shared it with become enthusiastic like I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that point about manifesting what we think about, there's that verse in the Bible, and nobody ever talked about it like this. You know, there, there are those sneaky verses in the Bible that allude to the power that we have through Christ. And it's just like, oh, kind of like all of the power through Christ is what we have. We truly do. It is supernatural. I mean, I, I don't know what your theology is on this, but I, right this moment, I believe God is right here in me and right there in you. And if, if we just trust that and call on it and pray for God's will and the courage and the power, the power and the courage to carry it out, we can, we know we can do it, Tim, we've seen it happen, yep. but you got to keep that mindset because Fear or the absence of God 
will certainly try to get in and mess with us. 100% it will. And it'll make you forget about that verse that says, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe it in your heart to be true and it will be yours. Exactly. And then also, I think it's somewhere in Isaiah that says, without a vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we keep a vision, we're on our way. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. Now we're going to jump into our thriving three. Okay. First question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Okay. So I'm going to say podcast first, because I don't know if it's okay to have a crush on a Catholic priest, but I do (laughs) on his soul. You know, in your younger years, your crush is like on the way someone looks, you know, and how cool they are. But at this stage in my life, my crush or being enamored really is what I call it is with um, Richard Rohr. And he espouses this, uh, he's a Catholic priest and he writes a, a blog every day and I follow it. And it has just been a game changer for me. And, and he writes about this, you loving everybody, no limits, everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, calling on the God in ourself, being connected with others, having intention, you know, having love and, and not, not judging others. I mean, it, it just seems like this world would be so much better if we didn't walk around judging others. We walked around loving others. And so I, I, that's my favorite, any podcast that has to do with him. My favorite movie, um, I love The Secret Life of Bees because there's such um, unlikely friendship. You know, the little Dakota Fanning, I think that's who it was in it. She's just brilliant in that. I mean, she needed those ladies and little did they know it, except for Queen Latifah knew it, but they needed her. Mm-hmm. And I love unlikely friendships. I've made so many of them my life in my life. And um, it, they've been game changers. I mean, the, it's been the best part is when I make friends with someone that I never saw making friends with, you know, we, nobody should stick within their own zip code. That is so boring. Get out there and see what, cause everyone's our neighbor. Yep. So that's my favorite movie or one of the movies like that. Um, or also I love silver linings playbook because um, he's, you know, a, undiagnosed bipolar and then he gets in recovery and there's victory. And so I love seeing that. And then what was the other question? The podcast and the movie and the book favorite book, movie podcast. The, my favorite book right now would have to be the big book of AA because I refer to it every single day. It's so Bill Wilson. And I don't know if you know anything about the founder of, Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay, it's it's really a great story if you ever have a few extra minutes to read it. I mean, I think this is just so crazy, but I really do think he was intended to be a drunk because his recovery has changed the world. I don't want to equate him to Jesus, but the way Jesus had this enormous impact on the world Bill Wilson has had that kind of impact on recovery Mm -hmm. and had he not been an alcoholic, you know how the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
I never got that. I'm like, why would God harden anybody's heart? I don't get it. Well, the same here. Why would God, why should somebody be an alcoholic? I don't want to say God authored it because I don't understand how that works. But what he gave to the world in these 12 steps is, is supernatural. Yeah. And so as I'm developing this, that, you know, I, I feel God is all up in this too. I mean, I've just, I feel it. I mean, sometimes when I'm riding my arms, like tingle, like, yeah, like I'm on holy ground. You've probably had those experiences like, wow, oh. this is so cool. And um, so that so the big book of AA, which five years ago, never heard of the thing, but I'm you know, it's not my favorite for fun, but it's my favorite for life changing. Hmm. There we go. There we go. I love it. I might have to go read his story. <laughs> yeah, was... just you could even Google it and just yeah, read say, his story. It, YouTube it's, video. It's amazing. And here, here's something else. Um, so the way he kept sober, I mean, he was like a hopeless alcoholic and just searching for a way to not be, to get over it. And, and true alcoholism, we don't get it. If you're not an alcoholic, we don't get it. It is a compulsion and an obsession that cannot be removed without a higher power. Can't, it cannot. And he was tempted to go back uh, when he had a business failure. He was in the hotel bar of the Mayflower Hotel, I think. And he was able, he prayed and he was able to find a telephone booth and he called, he said to some lady who has helped him, I need another alcoholic to talk to. I need, he knew the only way he could get through that was to talk to someone else who could understand the malady. And that's when he found Dr. Bob, Bob Smith, who was a co-founder with him. And they, Bob Smith said, I'll talk to you for 15 minutes. And they ended up talking five hours and they founded AA. But here's what's beautiful. This is why community is so important. I mean, even what we're having right this moment is a community, two of us. Yeah. Um, finding a community, another person, which, you know, the Bible says two or more are gathered in my name. God is it. I mean, God's always there. But when two or more is, then it's multiplied. Mm hmm. And they found God right there and, and they never drank again after that. I mean, and when I tell you hopeless, I mean, these guys were hopeless and, but, the, but not anymore. They found it and it, and it changed. So community is important. A higher power is important. And then keeping your side of the street clean and not worrying about somebody else's side. If, if we can get that message out to the world, man, Right on. <laughs> right on. <laughs> there we go. Well, Lori, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Run or spend time with my friends. Um, oh, or of course, hang out with God. Yep. Yep. Love but it. run running is solid. I mean, when you're out there, you know, stretching your body to the limits and sweating hard and, and we talk the whole entire time. So we have a community. I mean, it is on holy ground. It's it's a high. It really is a high. Yeah, I can't run. <laughs> you can't run? I thought you were going to say, yeah, I get it. I'm a runner. No, I, so I get it. Um, 
I get the feeling. I'm just not okay. with running. <laughs> That's just not it. Okay. Well, what what's yours? What's your vice? Yeah, for me, it's um, it's actually just really long walks. Like, oh uh, well, I'll, yeah, that's just as good, and it's not as hard on your body. You're not pounding as hard. Exactly, running for me. I think I've always only tried to run alone. I think maybe if I did it in a community, I could get behind it. That there it is. That's the difference. I'm telling you, if I weren't meeting, you know, when I show up at five a.m., there there are at least four or five other people, sometimes twenty. And when you're together, and let me tell you, you talk about breaking it down, it gets down and dirty. And by that, I mean vulnerable. You share the real stuff. It's not bull. You are sharing your aches, your pains, your joys, your hopes, your spirituality, your frustrations, you know, all of life. And it's like you've been to therapy for an hour and and God's there at the same time. It's just so cool. Yeah, I love it. I was also going to mention lifting, but even with lifting, it's like, I only really love it when I'm doing it with other people. And so it's that community aspect. Community. Community. I mean, that's it. It's, you know, when we're together, you don't feel as alone. You've heard a a joy shared is doubled Mm. and a sorrow shared is halved. And that's because you've got a community going on. I mean, it's, it's almost like um, not a privilege, what an honor when you get to share a sorrow with a friend, you know, that's vulnerable. And, and we all have sorrows, man, when you can share a sorrow with a friend or a friend can share one with you, that's, it's a gift in a way. And the same with, with an excitement, with some, a victory, you know, wow. when you get to share that with people who love you and care or, or people who don't. I mean, I find some community. You ever go to a grocery store or so, out somewhere and you see someone who you, you can feel their negative energy and you take a moment just to, you know, give them a pat or say, hey, man, you doing okay? You yeah. just want to say hi. How's your... I mean, their whole countenance changes. And that's a community, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like how you point out that community can be me and one other person yes yeah i like that perspective because in my head it's always like you know there are multiple people there or whatever maybe and i think it's like it really is like that community like you are communing together like just that shared exactly tim and i was the same way i thought before i started recovery and started reading this book i thought a community had to be you know 20 people but it's it's not it's just just more than just you Awesome. Well, what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet and work with either Magic Johnson or the Pope? (laughs) Let's go all the way. (laughs) Uh, The Pope, I haven't figured out yet. Uh, Magic, I've I've gotten on social media and I I know who his um, assistant is. So when the time comes, I'll reach out. I'm following his daughter on on social media, she has a great sunglass line. So that's fun to, so, so I'm, but I, you know, I don't want to jump the gun. I I don't want to, you know, because I'm starstruck with him, it'd be real easy to reach out now and then say what, well, when I come up, when I finally get this book, then I'm going to read, I don't want to do that. I want, I want to have something 
because that guy's a businessman. You know, he's worth like $600 million. Yeah, no, he's good at business. He is brilliant. And he's got a heart bigger than his body. Yeah. I mean, he loves people and he just has a, he wants to change the world. So um, I think when the time is right, it, there's just going to be a way there's, I'm just going to trust that. And I'm going to try too. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Well, we got our last series of questions now, and these can get a okay. bit more personal. So if you don't okay. answer any of them, just be like, I'm a pass. And I'll be like, okay, cool. The first one is what's one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Well, it's probably the same one that everybody has. And that's, um, you know, can I really do something this big? I mean, people tell me often that that is grandiose, Lori. How you, you can't do that, but you can't, you have to shut out the noise. Yeah. yeah. Because I do believe in manifestation intention that you bring to you the energy. I mean, actually, I think it's scientific that we have in addition to spiritual, but I think scientifically what energy we put out into the world, that's what we bring to us. So I'm just not going to let the nasty voices get in my, I mean, they do get in my way for a minute. Like anybody's like, girl, you crazy. You can't do this, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to shut them out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's scientific. It's spiritual. And honestly, just look at your life now. And look at the things you were saying 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like it's probably lined up pretty well. And so you'll see a lot of people who like don't believe in like your words having power and they're really angry people, but then they're always saying like negative things. And it's like, right. Well, your words do have power. They're just having a negative effect on you right now. Because that you're not is speaking right. In fact, there's a book called the law of attraction. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of the law of attraction. I haven't read that specific book. Though. Okay, it's fantastic. In fact, when I ran, I am so not athletic. I mean, I I always wanted to be, but like in school, I was the kid that got picked last or second to last. And so when I started running marathon, I don't. I've always run. I'm slow, but I've always run. But when I decided to take on the first half marathon, I remember. I had not even run eight miles yet. And I thought, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And I went to the bookstore and I found law of attraction. And in it, it says you envision the finish line, envision it and watch your body cross it. And when I was out there training, that's what I did. And Honestly, that that got me across that finish line. I saw it. I mean, I saw in my mind what happened the day I crossed that finish line. That was my first half. It was Napa to Sonoma. And I had a stress fracture. I oh, had a wow. stress fracture fracture in my foot and I still made it. I was just so determined. I don't know that was the smartest move, but I just wasn't going to let anything hold me back. And then since that time, I've run 11 marathons. I've, I've run in London and France and Ireland. I've run New York twice. I've run Big Sur, Philadelphia. I mean, I have run some fantastic marathons. So you don't ever let someone tell you that you can't do it. In fact, if they do, by all means, 
do it. It it gives me energy to do it. If someone tells me I can't. Yeah. 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 No, literally. And the last point, and then we'll kind of go on to the next question. Just the fact that confirmation bias is a really real thing. And if you're always speaking negative things or speaking limiting beliefs, you're only going to see evidence that supports your limiting belief. And the second, the literal second you start talking about bigger things and bigger visions, you'll see how stuff in the world starts to show you evidence of how you can achieve these bigger things. And then you're like, wait, I was so stuck on this two months ago and I started talking about it. And then the solution just popped up out of nowhere. And it's like, it was always there. You just couldn't see it because you were blinded by your own limiting beliefs and your own negativity. It's so true. Blows my mind, blows my mind. But I love that stuff. Well, your limiting belief is that the can I really do something this big, which is something a lot of us run into, especially when we have communities of people around us who aren't necessarily worth $600 million who have done big right, things. Right, right, right. Um, so my question to you is what actions do you think you take either on a daily, weekly, monthly, or annual basis that reinforce this limiting belief? So not the people reinforcing it for you, but yourself reinforcing it. Well, the the most important thing anybody can do, and I I believe this with every morsel of my being, is pray. And that is, you know, you just say, when I I decided to quit drinking, I wasn't even, I'm only 20 days dry. And I wasn't a big drinker. I would just have some glass of wine with my husband every night. And he hates that I'm not doing that anymore because it was kind of our ritual. But um, I just decided I wanted to see to not drink by, because I'm, you know, I'm practicing what this pro and I wanted to understand what others were going through who have to quit something. And it was hard sometimes because of the nostalgia, you know, to get together with my friends and have a glass of champagne on new year's or something like that. Um, But let me tell you how easy it was when I decided this is just something I want to do. It it feels like God wants me to not do this for whatever reason right now. And that is I get up in the morning and I say, dear God, please remove my desire for alcohol today. And it happens. And at the end of the day, I say, thank you, God for removing my desire. And you could apply that to anything, but first you have to decide you have a problem or that, that whatever you're doing that you don't want to do, you have to identify it. And, and then you have to believe that God will empower you to do it. And just like he removed the desire for alcohol, I mean, he's going to provide a way for this book, if, if this is his will, you know, if I have the right words to get it out there, and I'm, I believe I do, but it, it's serving a purpose no matter what. Uh, the journey of what I'm doing right now is so solid and meaningful to me and others who, who've touched it that I'm really cool with wherever God takes it. Mm. Hopefully the Magic Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we got one last question for you. Okay. Talk a little bit about how prayer can really bring you out of those limiting beliefs. Yes. And help you take the steps you need to change your life. When you have something that you don't want, you acknowledge that you have a problem. And then if you want to change that problem, prayer can be a conduit to that. 
how do we create an environment to help people identify that they have a problem and then change their life through prayer? Because obviously they're going to have to do the prayer. They're going to have to make the personal choice on their own. But how do we create an environment that encourages people to change? Well, I'll tell you what my experience has been. There may be a way to create an environment, but a personal story when people say, and, and we have to remember in AA, and, and I'm sure with this too, it's a program of attraction, not promotion, which is hard for me because I'm marketing and advertising. So right. I want to go out there and tell everyone about it. But if you live it, I, I mean, I am, I can, I'm just turned 60 years old. I am happier than I have ever been in my life. And it, it's because of what I have. And people can see that. And when they see that, they want it, which is how I got recovery. I saw what these guys had. And so the way you create the environment is you let people watch you and, and you be you be a witness without your words, with your actions, with your countenance, you know, with your love, the way uh, with your touch. I mean, really pat someone on the back or acknowledge someone that's not used to getting acknowledged. You know, we can make a difference all day long in, in the grocery store, at the gas station, at the McDonald's window. You know, hey, dude, how you doing? You having a good day? I can't tell you how often people say to me, you know, nobody has asked me that all day long. No one has asked me, how you doing? Or what's the best part of your day? Or on New Year's, I, I asked um so what's your big hope for the year? And I could tell this is where we went to dinner. I could tell nobody had asked the guy that who was serving us water. He was delighted to tell me what, and I kept having to push him. No, 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 come on. You can't go until you tell us. And he finally did. And he smiled the rest of the night. I mean, we, we got to show God's love to us. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's how you create the environment is, is you do that. And then people are like, man, what does she have? Give me some of that. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Live it, be it. And um, yeah. you'll just attract the rest. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lori, that is all we got for you. Is there okay. anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? No, I think I've talked way more than I should have talked, but thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved everything you had to say. And thanks for coming on the show. You bet. Thank you, Tim. You take care. Awesome. You take care too. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Lori had to say, make sure to check her out. Her website will be down in the show notes as well as all of her social media. And yeah, be on the lookout for that book. And if you happen to know Magic Johnson or the Pope, <laughs> make sure to connect Lori. <laughs> right on. <laughs> there we go. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.